رمضان نايتس on Al-Bayan Radio بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم brothers and sisters and welcome to Ramadan Nights I'm your host Abu Abdurrahman and I'm very pleased to be joined on this fourth night of Ramadan by my dear beloved brother Dr. Omar Najarin Assalamu alaikum dear doctor Waalaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh How are you been? Alhamdulillah It's been a very interesting start to Ramadan in a positive way It's um, been back, first day of Ramadan brought back a lot of memories to be honest Now um, before we get into that, the first few days of Ramadan It's been a while, hasn't it? Since we've touched base, since you've been on the radio with us Anything changed over the last few months? Well, nothing much, alhamdulillah Everything's still the same uh, I think a lot of people need to uh, reconnect Subhanallah, people have been distant from a lot of things uh, Be it the masjid, be it you know, social يعني, things, social gatherings, family gatherings Sport, activity, recreation, education, lessons, courses, whatever I think it's good for and to take this Ramadan to reset and restart Reset, restart and start in the proper way Which will be the main topic of our lesson or our program tonight. Now, I'd like to welcome our listeners and viewers on YouTube. If you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, please do subscribe for those listening to Al-Bayan Radio on the Wi-Fi devices and our app. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Al-Bayan Radio Australia. And also, don't forget to like our Instagram page, Al-Bayan Radio. And something new, Amar, it's not for everyone, and probably most of the stuff on there is not the best. You can subscribe to Al-Bayan Radio on TikTok. What's your view on TikTok, Amar? No, I wouldn't subscribe to TikTok. I'll delete everything that's related to TikTok. Just, just, just subscribe to Albayan Radio on TikTok for a lot of good da'wah material. Um, and if it's getting you away from watching good stuff, then as Dr. Omar said, keep away from it. May Allah protect us. Um, for those who would like to contribute to tonight's program, you can be ta'ala. Leave it in the chat section there on. Or the comments section there on our YouTube channel, our stream there, and we will try to get to it. Okay, tonight's topic is the race of a lifetime. Are you ready? So it has to do with starting Ramadan and benefiting from Ramadan. How important is it, Dr. Amr, to start Ramadan in the best possible manner? Ramadan, obviously, I need to start strong, I mean, you end strong. That's generally how a race goes. Yes. Um, there is always opportunity, but it gets harder as days go on. Like as every lap in a race, if you want to compare it to, when you get to the last lap, if you really want to push it, if you didn't put a lot of effort in the first, you know, ninety-nine laps, the last hundred lap is, is hundredth lap is gonna be very difficult. But if you're consistent for each lap, then you know the last ten nights to say would be any a cruise. You know, it would be easy because you're stepping and you're working into it. So it is a race. Paradise is a race. For those that don't know, it is a competition. Because you know that the Prophet ﷺ said, يعني, to the meaning of the hadith, that every يعني, hellfire paradise will have its positions filled. So hellfire will be full, full and paradise will be full. And it is a competition. Um, and this is what we compete. We race for good deeds We race towards paradise We race towards Jannah um, We race to compete with each other in, in good deeds and khair And this was the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ And the companions That this is what they would race They would race for 
the better actions according obviously to the Quran and the Sunnah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now as we know uh, Ramadan is ayyam al-ma'dudat it's a limited time and uh, you know very quickly you, you notice that a week is gone the second week is gone into the third week and before you know it the last 10 days and it's over again. So keeping that in mind uh, how should we best maximize our time what are some what's some advice to best maximize our time because we all get excited in the, from the social aspect of Ramadan you know the invites accepting invitations inviting people over which you know can can be can be good but sometimes it can be overwhelming especially for the sisters and then after a few days they've noticed their worship hasn't hasn't increased it's in many cases gone backwards how can we you know maintain or try to benefit uh, at the beginning of the month, uh, keeping the main goal of Ramadan in mind, which is taqwa. We spoke about, like, what well, we mentioned, reset. And so Ramadan should be not just a reset, but a reinvention of who you are. Refresher. And how your family is. Stop, revive, survive, wherever you want to put it. I think the most important is to understand that, you know, People say, oh, I want to do a massive, you know, invite, which is fine. It's Mother reward you. There's nothing wrong with it. But just to give you a little bit of a idea, we're not downplaying it. It's good to invite people and it's good to have people and break their fast or whatever. But these days, subhanAllah, the woman is spending three days preparing for, you know, family to come eat for 20 minutes and go and no one says thank you, no one says zakallah khair eat, stuff their face and go. Just an idea, because we want to talk about efficiency, right? With anything, there's efficiency. Wouldn't it be better if you spent that time reading Quran, doing good actions, and the three, four, five hundred dollars that you're going to spend feeding 10 to 15 family members could feed possibly a whole village overseas? So you get the ajar of feeding maybe 100 people mm. and breaking their fast and at the same time you get the reward of reading Quran not saying that it's not good to invite family I'm just saying as a thought process can, can I just stop you there Dr. Omar let's, let's be frank honestly uh, most people are not, not going to be able to get away or they're going to have uh, you know be invited invite people over Um I think the question that really needs to be addressed is is how to balance doing that but at the same time you know I'll give you an example uh, and I've heard this excitement at the start of Ramadan and then it becomes overwhelming for some people with all this going and coming and buying and having and preparing then after a few days they're like they're mentally drained and their time for worship has become lessened or has they're not efficient they're not benefiting they're not they're becoming agitated yeah. easily like i think it's a common understanding like if i if i i say again every situation is different every person's situation is different but if i want to be proactive and say for example i had a relative that every time they invite me means i have to invite them and they're really doing it because they think that if they don't invite me then i'm going to invite them anyway and so it's going to get you know i'm going to do it first anyway get it out of the way Sometimes it's just a phone call saying, well, you know, I'd love to have you over and everything like that, but I know it's difficult for you, difficult for me. Um, 
how about this year we do something different? And you'll find that that actually brings relief. Like, okay, it's fine. Let's agree. What do you want to do? Tell you, listen, we won't have an invitation between us. For example, um, you focus on your Ramadan, I focus on Ramadan. And, and the money that we're going to put into it, we might donate it overseas, for example. And it's sometimes coming to a common understanding. Obviously, there's reasons. We're not saying any, uh, you shouldn't, and this is Ramadan, you shouldn't invite people, whatever. But we sometimes people's circumstances, um, is they actually physically can't. And financially, they can't. But they feel obliged and forced like they have to. I mean, they're not doing it really intentionally for Allah's sake. Sometimes they're just doing it so I have to repay the favor. I have to do it because so people don't talk. And it is going to take someone away from uh, ibadah and away from worship. So sometimes trying to find a solution. But what we're saying is if you want to maximize your, your ajar, if that's your main intention, there are other ways also to... Uh, get reward and get ajar and to maximize it even further and breaking more people's hearts for example and for you personally to focus on uh, Ramadan and I'll give you one example um, of two people that invited each other over two family members um, one invited one over and you know they spent two days preparing all the food getting the food ready doing the shopping getting the sweets the desserts and maybe spent Five or six hundred dollars Preparing all that The husband was tired The wife was tired Everyone was tired They came Everyone ate Everyone yani. And then Not just that The clean up after And the recovery after Of you know The tab And the difficulty of You know all that um, And then when they were Invited On the receiving end um, When they went to the person's house They just had Barbecue, charcoal, chicken and chips. And they look like they're like, we killed ourselves for three days. We spent over $500 on food. And now our invite back is chicken and chips. Which is, alhamdulillah, they're happy. But they're like, why do we have to kill ourselves? Why do we have to go through that? And he, that sort of taught them a lesson them to themselves that you don't have to go extravagant. You don't have to go all out. That's what we want to get to. You can keep it very, very simple. That's what we want to get to, like relating it back to starting off Ramadan in the best way and not burning out too early and not overburdening yourself with all these invites. Maybe space them out, which brings me to a, a, a post from your partner on the radio over the few, last few years, Sheikh Nasim Abidi. He says, practical Ramadan tip number one. He loves his uh, tips. Minimize inviting and visiting in Ramadan so that you can save literally hours during the day to be spent um, in worship, especially reading the Quran and attend the masjid early for tarawih. You'll rarely have a shortage of guests or invites, uh, so only concern yourself with the invitations you need to do or accept. The rest can be either before or after Ramadan, inshallah. And he puts a, a note at the bottom, feeding a person... For the reward can be done in a multitude of ways. The post and reward aren't mutually uh, exclusive. That's exactly Annie, what we're saying. Annie. If your intention is to maximize your reward, maybe there is better ways in doing that. And saying that, saying that shout out to Sheikh Nasim. Assalamu alaikum. And if you didn't, you do know, I think, because you had a very strange picture sent to you. Like, what's going on yes, here? Yes, yes. Before, before we mention that photo, all right. 
Um, tomorrow night, Sheikh Nasim, inshallah, will be with us on Ramadan nights after Taraweeh around 8.30 p.m. Now, for those who don't know, Sheikh Nasim and Dr. Amar are long-time co-hosts of a very successful radio program, but over the last few years, it's been few, uh, you know, it hasn't been done much, but they have a long history together and, and a great relationship. And Dr. Amar messaged me the other day, or I was, we were speaking on the phone, and he's not, you're not going to believe something. I go, what's that? He goes, I'm going to send you a photo. And he sent me a photo, and it was of two gentlemen. <laughs> Whoever two, thought two, that two worlds would collide? Two beautiful men. And may Allah preserve them. And it was Dr. Omar's dad and Sheikh Nasim's dad. And apparently, they were long, 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 long life friends and you never knew. Is that right? Well, they had some yeah, connection. connection with each other, mainly through my father's uncle, which they both had restaurants together and they used to ah, work okay. close to each other. And there is sort of memory and, you know, he knows who everyone, my dad knows and my dad knows. And it had crossed paths probably multiple times, but more towards the only knowing other relatives. And it was nice, my reward him, um, Sheikh Nassim's dad, actually he made the initiative to come and to visit. And they were bringing up like uh, stories of the past and people they remembered and things like that. And we're talking like in the 70s, we're talking... You know, and it was close to 40 years ago, 35, 40 years ago, subhanAllah. Um, and it was just nice, subhanAllah. And Nasim also, Shaykh Nasim also came for a cup of tea. Um, and it was nice. I said, subhanAllah, yani, what can be more yani, amazing than Amar and Nasim together? The fathers yani, coming together, subhanAllah. Now, how about how about we try to get um, a radio program together with the four of you? Yeah, it would be interesting. What do you think? SubhanAllah, I think it would be very interesting. And if you know, um, if you want to know Nasim, once you meet his dad, you'll sort of understand Nasim more, as they say. I've seen very uh, what's that word? Charismatic, like charismatic. He, yeah. yeah, he Subhanallah, his dad Allah me. Even though he's not talking to you, but he'll look at you and say, "You know what I mean?" Just to drag you into the conversation. That you're part of what's going on, you know what I mean. Like he'll put you as if you're you're you've got a screen around you and you're seeing everything what's going on. And he, Subhanallah, he's got that characteristic of him that he drags you in and he entertains you in in, in a positive way. Subhanallah, um, and very and he he recalls details. That's why I realized he recalls details of. That's why Nasim would always tell me because I never forget a story. I never forget when something happens to me. And if you realize the story, he talked about stories of Egypt. When he started in Egypt, there was a program that you have, and he's recalling, or when he was in, um, in in Saudi, you know, he's recalling details of things that occurred, things that happened. So there's attention to details, subhanAllah. As I say, the apple doesn't fall too far from uh, the tree, subhanAllah. In Nasim's case, I, it didn't fall very far at all, subhanAllah. Sallallahu alayhi wa Allah His dad, wallah, it was a great honor and respect. Wallahi, yani, from my heart, it was a beautiful thing that out of nowhere, a message came, he said, because there was a bit of, I met his dad, subhanAllah, and a bit of conversation, yes, I know your uncle, and, and subhanAllah, the initiative came that we'd like to come and have a cup of tea, subhanAllah, and this is part of the sunnah, visiting old people that you know, or previous, even people that, yani, there's no direct, direct relationship between my father and Sheikh Nasim's dad, the relationship is between my dad's uncle and him. They were very close and they knew each other very well. But the respect that he had for my uncle, he's visiting his nephew. And my, 
my dad's uncle was the same age as my dad. So they got along very well. Even though it was uncle, they were like brothers to say. But it's like saying that even if you love someone and they pass away, he's passed away. If someone's passed away, you still respect their friends. And this was the in case of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Um, that he would still respect um, and look Khadija, after yeah. the friends of Khadija. Yeah. He, he, would, he would send them like gifts, like um, pieces of meat, cut up for them, manageable pieces of meat, even after uh, her life, after she passed away. Back to you have any. No, no, I was just saying that just in a point that you always respect someone and respect his lineage and respect his his surroundings, even if the person has passed. It is a great attribute of yani, the Sunnah to follow. Yes, it is. Allah barik fiqh, Dr. Amar. Now, let's get back on, on track and what we're talking about. Uh, so, we obviously, breaking the fast of a fasting person is rewarding. You get the rewards for that without the other person losing anything of the rewards. Relinking family ties, especially many people don't see each other, they relink in Ramadan. That's that's praiseworthy as well. But we, all, we have to keep in mind the main purpose of Ramadan is, is taqwa, is to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to be more fearful of Allah, to be more conscious of Allah. So so we have to have all these things working together and balance and at the same time have priorities. But the priority is ibadah. The priority is get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if these things, anything, if these things are taking more time than they need to, then they need to be controlled to say the least, shouldn't they? Absolutely, yani. absolutely. Yani, alhamdulillah, we have a lot of time in our day. When we switch off, Social media, tick, do a checklist. Social media, and everyone knows what's involved in that, and the, the the phones, the messaging, and all the other stuff that go with it. You realize that you actually have a lot of uh, a lot of time on your hands, a lot of time to reflect. People say, "I can't read Quran on that day." Reflect, just sit and reflect. The brothers and used to sit in a cave and reflect. You can sit in a dark room. And just reflect. Think about yourself. Think about your deeds. Think about those sins that you've forgotten about. Think about your repentance. Make repentance. You know, make istighfar. Make dua. Dua. Something that we don't like. We don't do enough. Seriously, like if people understood what dua means to a believer, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala loves the dua, loves the one that calls, loves the one that that um, asks of him. Person says to himself, uh, "You know, why should I make du'a? You know, alhamdulillah, I'm comfortable. What do you mean? Make du'a from for 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 things to be avoided. Yani, for example, make du'a Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. You know, avoids haram. That's a supplication. Avoids evil. Afwan to you. Make du'a that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala keeps you in good health. If you want, if you're already content, like make du'a for others. Whoever makes du'a for someone, the angels command they make du'a for that person. Make du'a for your brother in Islam. Make du'a for it." For for someone's hidayah, you know what, well, brother? I guess I've got a characteristic. Every time I see a non-Muslim do something Islamic, I make dua from Allah gives him hidayah. Because I make dua if I find a, like a non-Muslim is polite, I say Allah hidayah Islam. Or he goes, or if I see a Muslim that's struggling, or that's poor, or that's trying to live a halal life, because I make dua from Allah gives them what they want. Allah gives them provisions. Allah gives them wealth. Allah gives them, you know, enough for their heart to be content. Make dua for others. Make dua for your brother in Islam. Make dua for your family members. Make dua for your parents. You know, it's very make a dua for your neighbors. And a lot of people you can make dua for. 
سيلف سينثيس والله هذا مجنون هذا هيز جوت ايشوز وهذا هيز جوت بروبلمز هذا جوت انزايتي وهذا جوت لك ما يتوفر they need your they need your dua they need your your supplication and it's it's beautiful to make dua if allah if you مثلا you feel that you've got everything you're content but other people are not like that make dua for other people and this is a great 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 attribute to have and that you know what breaks that breaks pride even the ones that hate you make dua for them allah guides them to islam allah you know purifies their heart these days brother has a marriage problem Well, they tell the whole world, I can make dua for him. 100%. Yalla, keep his marriage strong. Keep his household together. Yalla, keep him firm. A brother's business is going down. Yalla, make him increase in his business. Yalla, help him. Yalla, support him. Yalla, you know, allow, open up your doors and provision. Yalla, forgive him if you've done anything wrong. These days, if anything negative, well, we want to step on that person even more. We want to destroy him even more. Dr. Amor, we got a question regarding um, the topic. Uh, how should one pace themselves so they're not burnt out in the first few days? I think we address that some of it anyway. Hale, the, something really people have to understand there's really, really not a thing as a 24-7 habit. If, if anything, that's actually against the Sunnah. That's against the Sunnah of Rasulullah. People think, oh, I'm going to go in hard. No, you don't. You don't. Because the Prophet he told يعني, a group of Companions that one of them said I'm going to stay all night. One said I'm going to fast every day. One said I'm going to avoid women. Prophet said, "I pray and I sleep. I pray and I sleep, and I fast and I break my fast, and I marry. And whoever doesn't like my sunnah, then he's not from me." And once Rasulullah came to the masjid and he saw ropes that were tied between the the trees or the pillars, uh, and he said, "What is this?" He said, "Rasulullah, this is." for us to hold on to so that we can pray Qiyam. And the Prophet got angry. He said to them that yani, your body has a, a right upon you. You pray and you rest. So we tell the Prophet that this concept that people put that you have to be a Abid 24-7. When you're sleeping, you can be a Abid. And there's a story of the scholars when the Uh, when one of the students they came and they were asking for their sheikh I'm not sure which current which one it is they said where is he they said he's 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 in uh, he's in ibadah so they went to his room they found him asleep then they came back and they said to him they said to him they go no he's not in ibadah he's asleep he said no no he's in ibadah so they went back they sent him sleeping they came back they go what are you talking about he's He's sleeping. He goes, exactly, he's in ibadah. He's resting his body so he can wake up for qiyam and pray. Therefore, his sleeping becomes an action of ibadah. Just like his work becomes action of ibadah. So the concept of ibadah is, obviously, we know the fard and we only know the sunnah. If you just implement that, isn't that suffice? And I remember, يعني, subhanallah, one study of the sunnah, was actions of ibadah have shortcuts. There's a lot of shortcuts in Islam. What does that mean? For example, if you pray Fajr in Jama'ah, as if you've stood the whole night, half the night in Salah. That's a shortcut. That's, a, as I say, shortcut to paradise. And you praying that, it's like a bonus. You pray Aisha in Jama'ah, it's a shortcut. You get the other half, night, other half in, uh, of night in Salah. Whoever prays with the Imam until praise he finishes, Recorded for him that he prayed the whole night. In so regarding Ramadan here, yeah. So you can pray. Tarawih. 
qiyam the reward of it twice and not even prayed qiyam yet and then you can pray qiyam yourself also again you want to follow the sunnah pray third of the night masalan, for example eight rak'at if you want to do that again there's reward you know what I found Dr. Omar as well is is, is, is having the balanced moderate approach which is what Islam is Islam is the moderate religion not moderate in the understanding where you sell out your religion and you left Islam and you have only your Muslim by name. No, moderate in terms of following the Quran and Sunnah as the Prophet taught us and as the Salaf practiced. So what I see is, is you base your, your, you know, what we learn is you base your day around the obligations, namely the five daily prayers. For the male, for example, he tries to pray those prayers in Jama'ah. You know, um, he tries to pray the sunnah before and after to, to you know to, to to perfect it in a better way. Then obviously you're fasting, you know, and you try to pray the tarawih, you know, as we said with the imam. So if you see this is just the basics, um, you are earning bi'idnillahi ta'ala man qama ramadana imana muhtisaban ghufir lahu ma taqaddam min dhanbi. Man qama ramadana imana muhtisaban ghufir lahu ma taqaddam min dhanbi. Two beautiful hadith of the Prophet sallallahu you're attaining if you have the right, uh, if you meet the, the conditions mentioned in the hadith, that whoever prays the night prayer in Ramadan, whoever fasts Ramadan, imanan wahtisaban, with true faith, believing in its obligation, doing it solely and purely for the sake of Allah, anticipating the reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with no riyah, no showing off. What will happen for him? What would he receive? What will she receive? His previous sins will be forgiven. So that's a goal that you have. So that's your minimum. So base your day around the obligations, setting these minimums that you're going to fast Ramadan in the best way. You're going to pray your, your obligations first and also the night prayers. And the Prophet ﷺ, he said to us, the best prayer is the obliga- obligatory prayers. The, the five daily prayers are the best prayer. There's nothing like them. No matter how much you pray other prayers, the best prayer is the five daily prayers. And then the best after that is the night prayer. So here you're gaining both with just this minimum. Then, but, the, but even the concept of Christian saying, "Oh, how do you not burn yourself out?" The question is, Islam is so just in the in the Quran and Sunnah. If you follow it, you won't burn out. That's right. And if you're burning out, meaning you're doing something wrong, because Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, "Yurid Allahu bikum al yusra, wala yurid bikum al asr." Allah Subhanahu wa Taala wants ease for you. Allah Subhanahu does not hurt you for you, and your body has a right. Your body has a right. And Subhanallah, one thing I always um, found very very interesting is that. Um, in regards to the verses, in regards to Jum'ah, that, you know, when Friday prayer comes, فَسْحَوْا إِلَىٰ ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ Come to the remembrance of Allah when Friday prayer comes, the call of Friday prayer comes, um, go to Friday prayer, go to the remembrance of Allah, but doesn't stop there, it says, leave off your trade. So, by default, you should be working. And leave off your trade, leave off whatever you're doing. And then uh, the verse continues, says, yani, when, you, when you finish, then go back into the land and seek yani, the provisions. Yani, again, by default, once you've done your ibadah, your jum'ah, leave your work. But once you go back, yani, once you finish, go back to work. doesn't say take the, the whole from Fajr off, take the whole Friday off. It's actually telling you to leave your work and then it's commanding you to go back so it's actually commanding you to have a break during work if you really want to look at it in that way and the scholars that elaborated on it and they said 
that if someone works during the time of Jum'ah, so let's say Jum'ah is between 1 and 1.30, and you decide to work, then earning within that hour is haram. It's not considered to be a lawful earning. Why? Because you were commanded not to work in that time. So subhanAllah, if you look at that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordained work for you. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a, is a sign, time for ibadah. So then the question comes in regards to the most important prayer, to the best of and strongest of opinions, is the middle prayer, which is the asr. Right? The, the middle prayer. So scholars, they commented on this. They say, why was the asr prayer considered to be among the most important of prayers because that's the one where you're busy the most. Fajr, you first wake up. Dhuhr, normally most people are enduring, the, especially the Arabs, they have a qaylula. So they have a break around midday. We consider it to be lunch. Most people have lunch around midday. Maghrib, it's sunset. Most people are at home. And Aisha is towards the middle of the night. When is the most busiest time of the day? The Asr. And that's how important the Asr prayer is because it shows your dedication to the obligation that you have to leave off your work, stop your work, pause your work. And people that work would realize that they've got no problems with Fajr, they've got no problems with Dahar. The hardest prayer within the day is Asr because that's the one you have to physically stop your work and you have to pray and worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Two more points before you finish, Dr. Omar, and this is relating to the topic of, 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 of starting Ramadan on in a positive starting you know, with energy and, and trying to maximize your reward and not getting distracted and not feeling um, uh, worn out or bored even in some cases. Now, you touched upon it before, social media distractions. I believe the most, how can we say, the most harmful aspect or the most harmful thing towards a Muslim truly starting off Ramadan in the best way and maintaining it is, is for him to avoid distractions and diversions. And they come in many forms. And let's just be frank, probably today the biggest challenge for many Muslims is the entertainment factor, whether it be being entertained, whether it be social media, movies, Netflix, YouTube, is like, let's be straight out, we've become professional time wasters. We always fill our time with something instead of filling it with, for example, which, which we want to finish off some advice regarding the Quran, with the Quran and the reading of the Quran and the memorizing of the Quran and reading anything related to the Quran because it is the month of the Quran. Allah tells us in Surah Al-Baqarah, شَهْرُ رَمَضَانَ الَّذِي أُنزِلَ فِيهِ الْقُرْآنِ هُدًا لِلنَّاسِ وَبَيِّنَاتٍ مِنَ الْهُدَى وَالْفُرْقَانِ So the month of Ramadan is the month in which the Quran was revealed as a guidance for mankind and a distinguisher, a furqan between truth and falsehood. This is the Quran. And the Quran being revealed in this month has made this month even greater. And this is why you have like a challenge. I'm, I'm, I'm viewing it. It's coming across to me like the Quran versus other stuff. What are you choosing? And we mentioned like, for example, the talk we gave today that scholars, they said that the Quran and music cannot both exist. In the you're heart, as you're referring example. to your talk, uh, yeah. Masjid Al-Azhar, the seven o'clock talk, which yeah. we stream live on Al-Bayan Radio so nightly. The, the reason they said that is because corruption and goodness cannot both exist together. One always has to Take any, you can't do sunnah and bid'ah, it's either one or the other, right? There's no like in between. So, in saying that, subhanAllah, you find that you either live a life like this or live a life like this. And while we talk about we say, oh, social media, social media, social media, 
want to give you an example, right? To people understand this a little bit more. What's actually allowed in Islam but disliked by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is gatherings of people that have non-Islamic yani, benefits and that are open to actions of haram, corruption and evil. This is why the Prophet ﷺ said that one of the hated hated places to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the marketplace. Why? The marketplace is essential. But why is it hated? Because there's fitna, there's stealing, there's fraud, there's deception. And there's groups of people that take advantage of the situation to promote evil. And if you look during those times, where evil manifested itself was through marketplaces. There would be people stealing, harming, killing, deception, lying, um, uh, mucking around with weights, uh, selling false goods, riba, a lot of things generate from these type of places. But the reason we say that is we use that example to say that any gathering that's non-Islamic, you have to be very cautious of. One of those things now is a digital gathering. Not a physical gathering, a digital gathering, which is what we consider to be social media. Because within it, you've got sin, you've got, for example, unveiling of women, you've got zina, you've got evil, you've got corruption, you've got predators, you've got stealing, you've got fraud, you've got um, scamming, you've got all these things that exist in this digital world that's called social media. Now, yeah, there are some benefits. We can outline those benefits, just like in a marketplace, there's benefit. But generally, from the understanding of Islam, just like you shouldn't be spending too much in a marketplace, meaning, from the advice of what the ulama say, is you go in, you get your needs, you get the stuff that you, um, yeah, and you need to purchase or whatever, you don't hang out. Or what's that saying, uh, says Nadal, we used to hear back in our days, L loitering. <laughs> Loitering, yeah. Loitering. Hanging out. Hanging out because there's no benefit and that will lead to haram. And you get out. Likewise, the exactly same thing when it comes down to social media. Do not loiter in social media. If you need to go in there, go in. Check your news. Check your whatever you need that you need to do. Check your da'wah. Check your the lessons. Check whatever. And once you've done what you need to do, Get the hell out of there. That's the same advice I could give because what would exist in the marketplace would also exist in, in any social gathering. That's why they refer to that as social media. And we know the amount of deception and lies and cheat or whatever it may be that exists. So be very, very cautious. And again, two things cannot exist. We're not saying that a person lives a brick. We're not saying go live in a cave. You can't do that. You live in this world, you live in this society, you got to live, we got to work with it. But don't drown in it. Don't drown yourself in something that is going to completely misguide you. And now, subhanAllah, either you know someone or you've come across someone or heard of someone or even have a relative or close that, subhanAllah, has been touched by evil and corruption through these means. And it's, it's scary. And it's not like you haven't been warned. And people say, oh, how could you be warned? How can you tell? Because we know in Islam, when you have 
Muslims, non-Muslims, uh, you know, Satan worshippers, um, kuffar, infidels, atheists, all mixed together in a bowl. Uh, it's not going to be a good mix. Now, Dr. Omar, before we finish, we want to have a final advice and we'd like to bring in our TikTok viewers regarding the Muslim and the Quran in Ramadan. What's your advice for the Muslim and the Quran in Ramadan? Yani again, like we said, just set yourself a routine, set yourself a goal, don't overburden yourself. As once, yani, subhanAllah, was some great advice from a sheikh. He said, if you don't finish the Quran in Ramadan, don't be disappointed. Rather, challenge yourself to read as much as you phys- physically possibly can. Because some people, subhanAllah, they're very difficult and re- they find it very hard to read. It might take them three hours to read one page. Read as much as you can and you'll be re- rewarded. And if you struggle, you, you get double reward. You get even rewarded even more. Do as much as you can. And if it's easy for you to finish the Quran once, finish it twice. And everyone go at their pace. At the end of the day, and don't leave the Quran in the month of Ramadan because Ramadan is not a month of fasting. People think Ramadan's for fasting. No, no, no. This is this is wrong. If you believe Ramadan's for fasting, your concept of Ramadan is completely wrong. Ramadan is a part. Fasting is a part of the month of Ramadan. Fasting is like a celebration within the month of Ramadan for the purpose of the Quran being revealed in this month. Shahrul Ramadan al-Ladhi unzila fihi al-Quran. The month of Ramadan is the month that the Quran is revealed. This is what Ramadan is. And because the Quran was revealed, there is actions of celebration. And among those is to fast. Among those is salah. Among those is reading the Quran. Among those is sadaqah. Among those is charity. But why mainly fasting? Think about it. When a person is fasting, he's humbled himself. And when he's fasting, he's got less destruction. So he's able to, as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taken all the destructions in our life, he's taken food away. Taken all these destructions, our desire. We can't have relationship with our wives during the day. We can't this, we can't, we can't, we can't, we can't swear. We can't get angry. All these things for one reason, and that is to focus on the reason of Ramadan, that the Quran was revealed in this month. And as we know, the Prophet used to revise the Quran with Jibreel in the month of Ramadan. And within it, even more special is Laylatul Qadr, the night يعني, of, of, of power or decree in which the Quran was revealed. This is what we search for in the month of Ramadan. Zakallah khair, Dr. Amar. for being with us. I'd like to thank all our listeners and viewers. Allah zikram khair, Allah reward you. Inshallah, we look forward to يعني, being يعني, as a guest, inshallah, and, and giving you and host and giving you as much entertainment, Islamic nasiha and entertainment as possible. Wajazakumullah khair, wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alaikum wassalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. We'd like to thank Dr. Omar for being with us tonight, and inshallah, he'll be with us as a host and guest throughout the month of Ramadan. Don't forget to download our app if you haven't downloaded the app from the Google. Uh, Play Store and the Apple App Store and also subscribe to our channels on Instagram and pages on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Barakallah fikum, my dear brothers. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.
This program was presented by Al Bayan Radio, the voice of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah.